if only there was someone nominated to the court a couple of years ago that like probably every current member of the court probably would have like had no problem putting on the court right now. I can't remember his name. <laughs> no. um, it rhymes with Schmerick Flarland. Mm. <laughs> about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. Andy Leonetti. Good morning. And Allie Marshall. Hello. So we're recording on a Monday, I think for the first time. How's everybody doing? I think I think you can sense the, uh, the dearth of energy here. <laughs> <laughs> but you're using words like dearth, so I, I have high hopes. <laughs> I'm on about my third cup of coffee, so I, I'll, I'll perk up as we go along here. Great. Well, that's perfect, because we're starting with my segment anyway. Since the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we've heard a lot of talk about what the Democrats might do to prevent a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Now, the fact that the Supreme Court is supposed to be apolitical aside, the talk surrounding this is um, dramatic. Would you guys agree with that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's getting a little hot around here, yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, taking on a bit of movie-esque tones. <laughs> it seems like the most common outcry is that the Democrats will attempt to pack the court, meaning they will add more liberal justices to rebalance the current ideological makeup of the court. And no one is more famous for trying to pack the court than President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So everybody, once again, I'm back to be the time traveling lawyer and force you guys to listen to me be a nerd about history. Yay. <laughs> I know. So exciting. These are good though. I like it. Now, I'm not here to defend FDR or argue for a 15 justice Supreme Court. I just really enjoy the intricacies of legal history, especially when I can drag the three of you down with me. (laughs) So (laughs) are you ready? Okay. Buckle in. Yes. FDR's 1937 proposal to add six justices to the Supreme Court is often characterized as a ham-fisted attempt to circumvent a court that didn't want to go along with his New Deal policies. And in a way it was. But the conflict had its roots in something very important, but also kind of boring. Supreme Court retirement salaries. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I was waiting for a boo. Tell me more. I will. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) So the Constitution protects judges' salaries, but it says nothing about retirement funds. Uh, The the framers were staunchly against them because they viewed government-provided pensions as a corrupt patronage. Um, But of course, those views eventually changed. And in the decades that followed the first Supreme Court retirement packages, Congress used those retirement funds to manipulate the court. Uh, They even once passed legislation that certain justices they didn't like would lose their pensions if they didn't leave the court within a certain time frame. So this became a pretty dramatic bargaining chip. Then in 1932, Congress passed a law that cut justices' retirement salaries in half, a move that the attorney general of the time said would encourage justices to, quote, Hang on like grim death until the angel Gabriel blows his horn. (laughs) I wish people still talk like that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's exactly what happened. FDR tried to get a law passed reinstating the previous retirement package in 1935, but that failed. And around the same time, the Supreme Court began overturning key aspects of his New Deal, a series of sweeping economic policies aimed at pulling the United States out of the Great Depression. The Supreme Court had been a pretty powerfully conservative force since the 1880s, and they just did not jive well with FDR's progressive policies. Plus, most of the justices at that time had been on the court for at least a decade, and FDR didn't like that during his first term, he didn't get the single chance to nominate a justice of his own. So, 
After his re-election in 1936, he decided to change that. And according to historian Jeff Shasel, who wrote the book Supreme Court Power, Franklin Roosevelt versus the Supreme Court, FDR didn't see any kind of contradiction between the Constitution and the New Deal. The problem he saw was the particular justices on the Supreme Court that he was dealing with. But, as I mentioned before, the justices didn't have much incentive to step down and they weren't going to come around to FDR's line of thinking anytime soon. That's when he had the idea to pack the court. Aiming to push older justices to step down, his proposal was to add a justice to the court for each sitting justice who refused to retire after 70. And this apparently followed a model that was used in the 1860s and again in the 1910s, uh, but it drew a lot of criticism from Congress as well as FDR's own administration. His own vice president reportedly held his nose and gave a thumbs down when the plan was read aloud to the Senate, which... And don't take this the wrong way, but Andy, it reminded me of you. (laughs) That is something I would do. (laughs) Sounds like an Andy move. I am known for my bad body language in in a corporate (laughs) meeting environment. (laughs) So as you might guess, this plan didn't make it very far. Uh, The public wasn't happy with it. Congress wasn't happy with it. And the justices on the Supreme Court certainly weren't happy with it. But shortly after, the Supreme Court upheld a few aspects of the New Deal including the Federal Minimum Wage and the National Labor Relations Act, which we still use today. Plus, one justice did decide to retire, giving FDR the chance to nominate. And some call the court's sudden support of the New Deal policies the switch in time that saved nine. I don't know if you guys have heard this phrase. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They like to rhyme. I don't know what it is with lawyers and rhyming, but I hate it. Like, just stop. (laughs) (laughs) But what's interesting to me is that the first opinion that came down in FDR's favor actually came out before his court packing plan was revealed. But in any event, FDR finally got what he wanted all along and the court packing debacle just kind of died there. Wow. Oh, did you enjoy that? Or was that too much history on a Monday morning? No, I did. It was very interesting. (laughs) I will say that was all new information to me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I had heard the switch in time that saved nine. But yeah, uh, yeah I did have kind of the, just the overall impression that uh, it was about New Deal legislation. And that was the main reason that he was getting frustrated was because he yeah. didn't have the judges yeah. on his side. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't know anything about the retirement. But that does make sense. And mm-hmm. that's kind of typical of what happens with history, right? We tend yep. to simplify it, but there's a lot going on. Leave out the boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Not us, though. Nope. Not us. It's I like, thrive on the boring stuff. And we come in red hot every episode. So that's all I have for this edition of Time Traveling Lawyer. I'm trying really hard to make this an actual segment. We'll see if the other three will let me. Uh, I love it. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be doing our uh, Supreme Court fan fiction, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. Artificial intelligence continues to reshape America's legal system. One sophisticated AI tool is QuickCheck Judicial, which analyzes multiple filings from a single matter, showing judges what cases you and your opponent did or did not cite. This gives judges greater insight into both sides' arguments. But what if you could gain that same insight using the same tool your judge has? Well, now you can. QuickCheck Judicial is coming later this summer. Be the first to see it. Visit tr.com forward slash quick hyphen check. 
we're back. So Andy, you've you're kind of the mastermind behind what we're doing today. If you want to fill everybody in on how we've decided to frame our talk about Supreme Court institutional changes. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Laura. Um, so the rush to, uh, well, we're now recording this a couple days after the uh, Amy Coney Barrett nomination slash COVID super spreader event, which <laughs> is which is putting a quick confirmation in a little bit. It's getting a little murkier. But uh, anyway, the rush to confirm her, we'll say, before the end of this presidential term, you know, has set off the flurry of speculation about how a hypothetical President Biden and a hypothetical uh, Democratic Party-controlled Senate should pack the court. You know, some say he should expand the court by two seats to maintain the status quo ideological balance before Ginsburg's deaths, while others have been, you know, like you said earlier, uh, exuberant in their ideas. I'll just say off the bat that I'm personally in favor of de-escalation in a situation like this. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm not really looking forward to a 47 justice court by yeah. <laughs> the year 2042 um, or whenever. But that doesn't mean that I don't have my own fantasies about what I think the court should look like. And I know that all of you do too. So I just want to play a fun game of what if, you know, if you were in charge, president, dictator, generalissimo, uh, general secretary of the Communist Party <laughs> or whatever, you know, what does your ideal Supreme Court look like? I will say that nothing is out of bounds. So I'm hoping that some of you actually have some really asinine ideas. I do. Don't worry. <laughs> or... <laughs> or just some really interesting good ideas that the rest of us can uh, rip to shreds. I think, Joe, we'll start with you. We'll start with what I'm assuming is probably the most sober-minded <laughs> plan. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to go to Joe first. Let's hear your elevator pitch. All right, sounds good. Although I I didn't know that I could be a Generalissimo for this segment. Can we uh, all agree that that for this one, at least, I'm, I'm called Generalissimo? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> all right. All right. That that's the start of my fantasy. Um, I could end there, honestly. <laughs> no, I think. Um, well, you know, the issue is that we don't want to have the Supreme Court keep losing its credibility, which is, seems to be what's happening. So, you know, I don't want it to be a, a political consideration. I think court packing is a is a terrible idea. Um, but if I could just wave a magic wand, what I would do is have a multi-party system. Um, I think that would actually solve quite a few of our issues. So, you know, that's not really very feasible. But if, if we could just have a little bit more of uh, proportional representation in Congress, I think that would probably be my ideal. But absent that, I would probably do something like um, a 15-court bench where Democrats get five justices, Republicans get five justices, and then those 10 justices select five other justices by unanimous consent, where at least a third of the bench would not be, you know, party affiliated. Um, and that at least would take it a little bit out of the hands of ultra partisans. Uh, on both sides, and then we would at least have a little bit more of a, we, we would have a little bit more of a, a separation between a political party and the bench. And that's that's kind of the goal for me, is to separate ideological justices 
um, from their parties and kind of get the bench back to this neutral arbiter of the law. I mean, I know that's a bit of a fantasy in itself, um, but, you know, I, it, it's important to at least try to have that. So I think that would probably be my first choice. I've got some other ideas, but um, that that's probably the one that I would go with. That's the uh, that's the Pete Buttigieg plan. It is the Pete Buttigieg plan. Although I think actually it was first uh, proposed by some law professors, and I think um, okay he he picked it up. It wasn't like his idea, but it, yeah, I I think it's probably the most realistic one that can be done. You know, at, that's fairest for everyone involved. What are some of? I want to hear some of your other ideas. I just want to say one quick thing about that one. <laughs> I. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that idea floated and I, I like that it does sort of aim at balancing things out. I do kind of wonder if 15 justices is going to end up being too many cooks in the kitchen, as it were. Yes. That's my concern about that one. I mean, you could do three, three and three, you know, and, the, and yeah. it's still, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's fine. I think I think the idea with 15 is that, you you know, you can't just make judges retire and stuff you know right. so you'd have to expand it but yeah and yeah in theory three three and three would would work just the same i personally i i don't know if all the justices could agree on five you know neutral justices to agree on i think there would be a lot of be- behind the scenes negotiating um so i mean there are some issues with it but i think at least th- there would be a little bit more of a, a trust in the supreme court that that we'd have at least uh, you know a third of the court not directly affiliated with a political party. What are some of your other ideas? Me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You said you had some others that you were going to hold back. Don't hold Okay. All right. No, I'll, I will go all out. All right. Um, <laughs> I think my next uh, best idea is called the Supreme Court Lottery, and that would make all of the federal appellate judges currently on circuit courts also Supreme Court associate justices. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, people would be randomly selected um, for two week periods. And so they would grant cert on certain cases. Then a new set of nine justices would hear and decide the cases and they'd go back to their, their home circuit to actually decide and write up the opinions. And, you know, this wouldn't necessarily get rid of the partisan fighting because then it would just move to lower courts, but there's more of them. So the issue about, you know, controlling the Supreme Court for years and years wouldn't be quite as... Mm-hmm. an issue and then you know also it would be hard for the supreme court then to plan out cases where you know like for example justice ginsburg when she was trying to get uh equal rights for women under the um civil rights act and and those sorts of things she kind of advanced the line of cases and then ultimately decided it as a supreme court and it would be harder for the supreme court justices to do this because you don't know who's going to decide the case that you pick up cert so it would kind of uh put a little bit of breaks on making drastic changes to the law uh just because you wouldn't really know what's going on so it would there would definitely be a risk reward in granting cert to some highly charged political cases maybe that's good maybe Maybe that's bad, um, but it would at least stop the Supreme Court from taking such a central role in some of these issues that maybe should really be decided by Congress. Okay. A very sober-minded plan <laughs> all, all around from Joe. Very... From the generalissimo. Yeah, very... Uh... Very technocratic, <laughs> and just, I've come to expect nothing less from you, Joe. Yep. So, 
<laughs> just professionalism all the way. It's the it's yeah. for, it's for the rest of us to act like fools, I guess. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, Laura, let's hear let's hear your plan. <laughs> you hoping for less professionalism from me cuz you're going to get it. Uh, what Joe's proposing, I think they're good ideas. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on was term limits. Sing it. The number that I've seen floated around the most that I think makes the most sense is 18 year terms. I think this would probably go a long way to helping just have justices not be so tied to certain administrations because, you know, they're in for a limited amount of time, but they're also, if they serve their full term, they would be serving for at least three different presidential administrations. Would you also have term limits for lower federal courts? Yeah, I think I would. If we had a term limit for the Supreme Court, once you're finished, you can go back to the federal courts. And, you know, so if people Mm, can mm -hmm. shuffle around, I think that would make sense. Um, So if someone wanted to be federal circuit for a while, go up to the Supreme Court, come back, I would be fine with that, I think. I would not be fine with that. (laughs) It's like you've reached the top. (laughs) Go write books. But I just I just don't think that someone should have to retire from being a judge as soon as they're done at the Supreme Court. Depending on depending on who. Well, because if we start getting younger justices on the Supreme Court, then all of a sudden you're forcing people into retirement when they're not even close to retirement age. So it just <laughs> I don't feel great about that. But I, I do. I, okay. I see where you're coming from. I do. Well, I mean, I know we're waving a magic wand here, but <laughs> the other issue is, you know, would it be constitutional to have term limits mm-hmm. and you know that the thing about switching from the higher court to the lower court is that may be required under the constitution unless right. we get a constitutional amendment mm-hmm. so there are some some legal issues um because i don't see us passing a constitutional amendment probably not to actually get that done we couldn't even pass an amendment right now to declare that the sky is blue <laughs> so that is very true. I mean, I, I have seen arguments that, you know, the Constitution, when it says that judges are able to hold their offices during good behavior, you know, and then that's it. I've seen plenty of arguments that say, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's no limit on a specific office. You know, it's just that they can be judges for as long as they maintain conduct that we expect from a judge. Laura, I take it your title that you've assumed during this discussion is still just like president with a functioning Congress. Because if you were a Generalissimo <laughs> like jo- like Joe, you wouldn't need a constitutional <laughs> amendment, probably. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Although I could get into my, my more stupid suggestion if you would like. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I absolutely would love to hear it. I would love, if I could wave a magic wand and just do something stupid with the Supreme Court, I would love to have an extra vote from the SCOTUS law clerks because <laughs> they do a lot of the research. Mm. They help write the opinions. But the catch is they have to, it has to be unanimous. So I want to watch all of these high-flying, fairly recent grads try to convince each other which way to vote, partially because I give it 15 minutes before it turns into Lord of the Flies. (laughs) (laughs) Is there one clerk for each justice? A few, don't they? Yeah. A few? That's a lot. That's a lot of cooks in in that one little kitchen then. It'd be like the (laughs) ultimate jury. It'd be so much fun. (laughs) So you would just be like, just for the sheer spectacle of like, a WWE cage match <laughs> yes. or something like that. That's would what I would. sell tickets okay. to it? Yes. But I also, you know, it would be interesting <laughs> to, to have that extra perspective and to see, you know, to see which way the case comes out. If you have a group of people who have to come to a unanimous decision. So would you then have eight justices 
and the clerk vote is the ninth. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, or we can no. always do we could reducing the size of the court. Uh, you're speaking my language. If we really wanted to, we could add a justice and then have the the law clerk vote and bump it up to eleven. <laughs> no, you mm. don't like that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> expanding the court as always. <laughs> I'm just imagining a reality TV show like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, only with law clerks, and they're all like, yeah, they're all screaming at each other, and yeah, we have little asides to the camera where they talk dirt about each other. Exactly, it'd be so. I can get behind this. Thank you. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) Well, thanks, Laura. Allie, you've actually clerked for a judge. Correct. Not at that level. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> let's be clear. I would hope you wouldn't be on our little podcast. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably be getting nominated if that was the case. No, thank you. I want to hear what your um, ideal scenario would be. I don't. I yeah, none of mine are serious. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. Um, but what I what you guys came up with sound great. Um, no, my I had two ideas. My first was uh, to have an I mean, this is a fantasy world, mind you, right? So mm-hmm. we'd get rid of all the current justices. We'd still have nine, but there'd be what from literary and um, TV shows. So yes. my court <laughs> is going to have Atticus Finch. That's actually my only literary justice. And then Elle Woods from Legally Blonde, Jackie Childs from Seinfeld, <laughs> Jack McCoy from Law & Order. Yeah, Vinny Gambini from My Cousin Vinny, Ben Matlock, because, you know... Christy Sullivan from Night Court, Philip Banks from The Fresh Prince, and Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it's more representative of society as a whole. Uh-huh. Um, it just would, <laughs> you know, it would draw a lot of attention. People would be invested a little bit more. Can I add something? Yeah. Can we have Judge Judy as Chief Justice? Oh, there you go. Well, then, that, so we got to get rid of somebody on the list then. Oh, then no. we got too many. Um, maybe Saul. <laughs> I feel like Uncle Phil would be just a yeah. exquisite. Oh, I yeah. like that a lot. I think a lot of them actually would, in mm-hmm. their own way, kind of bring something interesting to the table. <laughs> um, Saul, Saul Goodman, obviously questionable ethics there, so maybe we get rid of him and we can put in <laughs> Judge Judy there instead. <laughs> and then my other idea really wasn't, well, I guess it's kind of a way that you could hack the court, but it'd, be, it'd take fantasy into reality. Uh, over the weekend, my son asked me why I don't play video games, because then we would have something to chat about. <laughs> so oh. that got me thinking, and I was like, well, maybe I would. And PlayStation 5 is coming out soon. And if there was a game called, like, Supreme Justice, oh my where, gosh. like, you had to pack the Supreme Court with your own justices or something <laughs> lame like that, then maybe... I would be interested other than that. I'm not really interested in all the shooting games that they play. So anyway, shout out to shout out to Allie's son. Maybe ask your mom once in a while what she's interested what? in. What? And then you no. can talk with her about that. He's 10. That's not how it works yet. Your ideas are way more fun than mine, Allie. I, li- I like that. If you're listening at home, just ignore everything I said, and let's just pack the cart with Judge Judy and Uncle Phil. The world isn't very realistic right now anyway. Everything's gone wild. We might as well mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm on board with it. Shout out to my parents. Probably also appreciated the night court. Oh, yeah. Actually, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, now I'm going to forget. John Larroquette. Yeah, he was my one celebrity sighting I had in my life for like the longest time. I saw him on Bond Street in London <laughs> and oh I was gosh. like, Night Court! <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the very, very unserious route. <laughs> I feel like mine is also kind of unserious, but you also, Allie, you had me at the the current nine justices all have to go. <laughs> I was like, that's I was like, that's a good starting point, actually. <laughs> My first thing is that I would reduce the court to seven. Laura, you already mentioned too many cooks mm. in the kitchen. Right off the bat, we'd go down to seven, and then to get there, forced retirement at Social Security <laughs> age. Okay, FDR. Which means that we would immediately eject uh, Justices Thomas, Breyer, Alito, Sotomayor, and Roberts. Um, Justices Kagan, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and in theory, Justice Barrett would be grandfathered in, leaving us with three openings. My idea then would be at least three of those justices would have to be graduates of non-Ivy League law schools. Oh, I love that. That is fantastic. Because the Ivy Tower can stick it (laughs) (laughs) pound sand um i realized that this would probably lead to just like we'd have a bunch of just we'd then always have like three justices from like university of michigan or like georgetown or something instead but i think it's Mm -hmm. a start that they would all that we would have to have at least three non-ivy and then we would have to maintain gender balance on a rotating basis, meaning if the breakdown is currently four men and three women, then the next male opening would have to be filled by a woman. And so we would always have four and mm-hmm. three. Okay, somehow. interesting. Finally, to steal a partial idea from now what we're going to have to call the Buttigieg Fabush plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you. appointments would come from the unanimous approval of the sitting justices presidential appointments would be over and i would just have the chief justice seat rotating by term just for fun just so everybody gets a crack at it (laughs) no i love that because yeah we we always talk about diversity on the court but you know diversity of opinion comes from different life experiences too so like if they had an online law degree from baskets online (laughs) career college (laughs) yes yes (laughs) i don't know if the aba has recognized that one yet i don't know if most people will recognize that but that's my new favorite old yeah i guess i would have to flesh out that rule a little bit more i would have to give the sitting justices a little bit of criteria then for who would qualify how far they how far they could mm-hmm. take that non-ivy requirement i will i was just taking some notes laura was the only one who supported like a hard year uh term limit i guess i don't know if you could call mine that as well um but a lot of diversity of thought among this panel as well <laughs> for what for what we should do to the court ranging ranging from the sober minded serious to the completely <laughs> completely uh de- completely deranged so in all seriousness though i would i mean like ultimately whatever if they do decide to embark on a on a change for the court or or how to improve it or or whatever happens this whole political component of it and the panic 
when a justice dies in office is is not good for right. no. finding a, yeah. a candidate that everyone can support or get behind or at least acknowledge has the experience, even if they don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. So something um, where this can be a maybe more planned, thought out process seems like a good idea to me. Right. If only there was someone nominated to the court a couple of years ago that like probably every current member of the court probably would have like had no problem putting on the court right now. I can't remember his name, though. <laughs> um, it rhymes with Schmerick Flarland. <laughs> Yeah, I do like that we are all kind of in favor of the de-escalation approach. Yeah, and I think none of us support court packing. Uh, Our opinion is that this would escalate rather than de-escalate the situation and and would lead to a little bit uh, more trouble rather than less. Yeah, that's a really good point, Joe. And I think that's a good place for us to end the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Don't Judge Me. Please rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit lp.finelaw.com for more content. FDR's 1937 proposal to add six justices to the Supreme Court is often characterized as a ham-fisted attempt to circumcise... Circumcise? That's not the right word. Oh my yes. God, what's happening? Yes. That's, our opener. That's, that's the opener. That's right. <laughs>